Bristol is two hours away from London by car. It was an import trading port in medieval Britain. It rivaled London's status. The Bristol Museum has a collection of historical artifacts and art from around the world. Who has shown such a lack of regard for the exhibits by painting graffiti on them? It is actually not vandalism, but something deliberately arranged by the museum. In 2009, the museum broke new ground by showing over 200 works by graffiti master Banksy mixed in with other exhibits on display. Visitors were delightfully surprised. The exhibition was an unprecedented success, renewing many people's interest in the museum. And we put it in, in here, not very many people noticed it. You look closely, it was somebody pushing a shopping trolley, but it was done as if it was an ancient cave painting. I think people were searching around and going, ah, oh, that looks like, and we had lots of people saying, that's definitely a Banksy about something which definitely wasn't. So it was quite interesting where some people misinterpreted it or, or saw something different. But it meant they were all looking afresh and looking at, at this place completely new, in a completely new way. Graffiti has been developing for almost four decades. It is no longer just a tool for lower-class youths to vent their discontent. It has gained entrance into the hallowed halls of art and become a marketable commodity. This work is by Banksy, which pokes fun at many commercial products in Britain, including the Union Jack, produced in sweatshops in other countries. Because of Banksy's fame, it's natural if someone has designs on this graffiti. When photographer Joe was taking photographs here last June, he saw someone trying to make off with the graffiti. Then I was taking photographs across the road. A guy came up and was kind of looking a bit dodgy, and he basically came and just ripped the flags off and then ran off around the corner. Joe told us that because of Banksy's fame, he suspected the man would be selling the flags off. He was proven right. Soon the flags were auctioned online. What was even more inconceivable was a few months after we did the interview, someone chiseled off the entire piece of graffiti and got away with it. It was later auctioned online. The asking price was three to four hundred thousand pounds. Other than Banksy, the American Shepherd Fairy's graffiti is also highly priced. Last year, Shepard put on a show in Brick Lane in London. His works were priced from one to ten thousand pounds. They were sold out within an hour.
Graffiti has become an art commodity thanks to a group of discerning promoters. Ruthie Holloway is the editor of an online magazine. She specializes in promoting graffiti and other street culture. The magazine also acts as a graffiti art dealer who sells to clients. This piece here is by Findy AC, who you saw painting. Um, he did two pieces in this kind of in this collection, one of David Bowie and one of John Lennon. So all of these pieces, there's 15 of them, 15 of each. They sell for 900 pounds each. Ruthie feels that art like graffiti is just in its infancy, so prices are not too high. They are suitable for entry-level collectors. And especially the kind of the aspirational crowd, if you like, who want a bit of art for their walls, or maybe they want to start a collection. Um, it's very accessible in terms of the price. Although Finn DAC has Ruthie's magazine as an agent, he still creates on the street from time to time. Other than his preoccupation with having a street beginning, it is also for maintaining his popularity. This way, his works in the gallery can maintain a unique street flavor. Finn DAC admits that many graffiti artists are against the commercialization of their works. They feel it is put in the same league as commerce. It's against the natural, rebellious and unfettered spirit of graffiti. But he doesn't care. I didn't see um, any validity in being, you know, like one of these starving artists. If you can monetize what you do in any way, shape or form, then why shouldn't you? As long as you're being creative, then I don't see what the problem is. Graffiti stay on the streets or go into galleries. You may find some hints here in Brick Lane. Brick Lane is in the east end of London. Once upon a time, it was a crime-ridden community. But because rent was cheap, it attracted a large number of young artists and designers to move into the area. Today, graffiti covers every street and alley, turning it into an open-air art museum. It has become a hip place to visit in London. As droves of tourists pay homage to the area, those who have made a name in Brick Lane can very easily turn into famous graffiti artists. Pure Evil is one of them. Three years ago, he started his own gallery here. It's nice to look back on, you know, being out in the sunshine, spray painting walls and having a good time. But at a certain point, you also want to be able to really develop, you know, your artwork 
And one of the ways of doing that is, you know, to start doing exhibitions and start doing canvases and, you know, understanding a little bit more about the art market. Pure Evil feels that graffiti artists can create art that appeals to a range of tastes. His gallery promotes from time to time the works of other graffiti artists. For example, he has shown the miniature street art of Mexican Pablo Delgado, whose works already have high profile in London. As for those who fly the flag of freedom and are against graffiti going into galleries, Pure Evil dismisses them with a smile. He feels that point of view is putting shackles on graffiti artists. To say that because you're a street art, you have to say on the street is, is being a bit kind of fascistic. It's, it's telling them what they can and cannot do. If they want to come in off the street and do some work in a gallery, you know, we know that they do good work. We know that they can handle paint. Um, then why not? In 2009, Gabriel started a graffiti tour in New York. He claims to be the first in America to run such a business. He conducts a weekly tour. By introducing the tourists to street culture, he's showing them another side of New York. Gabriel is a graffiti artist himself. He feels being on the street is the inherent nature of graffiti. If graffiti becomes commodities in galleries, they can only claim to be imitations and not true graffiti. Well, I think on one hand, it's really interesting that uh, you can kind of go from an illegal art field to become very successful financially. Uh, it is, however, a little bit uh, unfortunate because uh, people start doing this stuff for the sake of the money instead of the sake of kind of beautifying uh, the world. True graffiti happens on the street illegally and spontaneously. Um, you do have something called the graffiti style, which maybe uh, is appropriate to put in a, a gallery scene, but I wouldn't call any work in a gallery uh, graffiti. In America, there are many who share Gabriel's point of view. They even put their protests into action. This is the Graffiti Hall of Fame. It's not just an outside wall of a school in New York's East Harlem. It's where New York graffiti first went above ground. It has a very special status. Case two, super duty, tough work. That's what he said in the movie Wild Style. According to Dr. Schneider, who specializes in the study of graffiti, as the Hall of Fame is historically significant, only a generally acknowledged graffiti artist can put his mark here. One of the graffiti is the work of the crew Tats crew, but Dr. Schneider discovered that someone has vandalized it. It's an obvious act of provocation. This is a very special place to the culture, and going over something as you know important as the Graffiti Hall of Fame, especially as important as a uh, of a crew 
as Tat's crew, it might be that these particular writers don't like the fact that Bio and Tasker do commercial work. Tat's crew is one of New York's oldest graffiti crews. They started in the underground subway, and at the beginning of the 90s, they founded a company creating promotional material for commercial brands and celebrities. Bio is the founding member of Tat's crew and also the director of the company. He says the crew rarely do illegal graffiti anymore and calls the works they do now murals. This particular mural was for a firefighter named Angel uh, Warbe. We were, actually, we were commissioned actually by his brother to do this. This was actually painted on the 10th year anniversary of his passing. You know, he, he passed away in 9-11 in 2001. According to Bile, there's been an increase in the number of clients who commission them to create commemorative murals for the departed, so their business has become more diversified. Looking back at the development of Tat's crew in the past 20 years, they epitomized the thorough commercialization of graffiti art. But Bile says everything fell into place fortuitously. At the beginning of the 90s, many companies wanted to harness the energy of graffiti to promote their brands. But they didn't use graffiti artists. They asked graphic designers to imitate their works instead. The results were neither fish nor fowl. Tat's crew couldn't stand idly by while that was happening. Rather than let someone else make a mess of it, they decided to do it themselves. You want to use this kind of art? Look, we exist. Here's a company who can provide you with these services, this kind of work, that, you know, the style that you're looking for. And, you know, it was just a question of it had to be done, you know, to somewhat preserve the culture in a sense. At least we grew up our whole lives doing this. We understand the history. We have the respect for the art. So we're going to, yes, we're going to jump in and make money, but at the same time, in a, in a light that we feel is appropriate. Although many in their circle question Tat's crew's decision to go commercial, Bio and his partner see things differently. They feel the commercial factor can help bring street art closer to the people. It shows that graffiti culture is maturing. We've encountered like where that whole argument about, oh, you're selling out. But uh, realistically, is, you know, we did the train bombing, we did the street bombing, we did all that. It was just an evolution leading to something else. Seeing their work vandalized in the Hall of Fame, Tat's crew has decided to respond by showing the true colors. An ordinary artist may have to cover the entire graffiti and start all over, but Tat's crew, with each member doing their own thing, erased the vandal's work with just a few strokes. It's like it was never there at all. Ignoring accusations of commercialization, Tat's crew has taken things further by venturing beyond the U.S. and Europe to turn graffiti into gold. A month ago, they came to China, a country where art collectors have been increasing in recent years. We're in uh, Guangzhou, China. 
and we're in the studio, makeshift studio. We're preparing canvases for a show, upcoming show that we're going to have here in March. This show is Tats Crew's first outside of the U.S. As they have to travel a long way, most of their works have to be created in Guangzhou. Luke is from Hong Kong. He is the one who invited Tats Crew to exhibit their works in Guangzhou. He has known Tats Crew for many years and knows that they grew up with graffiti culture. That's the main selling point of the exhibition. Part of the show is what we're going to try to do is also educate them on the history of who we are, the history of the graffiti culture itself. Luke has taken half a day off to take Tat's crew out for a relaxing tour, but he admits he has another motive. The theme of the show Luke has organized is Tats Crew's traditional American-style graffiti. To make it even more appealing to the Chinese visitors, Luke has invited a local artist of traditional Chinese painting to create a crossover work with Tats Crew. I kept the colors earth tones because I wanted to relate to the bamboo and then I just sort of try to mix like the graffiti, you know, designs, bubble splashes. Then, 
唔会加加班入嗰种感觉啦。Yeah, this is two cultures, two art forms, two. This is, this is all the tools you need. And <laughs> the coming together of the two art forms does it represent a further evolution of graffiti culture, or is it just a desperate ploy to cater to buyers in order to turn graffiti into gold? An art form with only 40 years of history is still evolving. Perhaps it's too early to draw a conclusion. But for a graffiti crew that has been striving to make the mark in the last few decades, the chance to open up new ground on the other side of the world is certainly a reward for their years of dedication. Distant as the Milky Way.